You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I want to say it's good to be here. And, <clears throat> and when I came in and saw this building, uh, if I hadn't been 74 years old, I might have lapped it a time or two. Uh, it's been a long time. I can tell you why you got it. <clears throat> faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. And uh, I appreciate the, the Haley's. And he kind of kept me updated in this building. And uh, when I came in, like I said, it's just it's beautiful. And I can tell you what makes it even more beautiful. And tell you two things. One, the Lord's here. Amen. Number two, you're here. And uh, you make up this building, and uh, but uh, I appreciate the Haley's and their children's growing up, and that means that he's getting older. <clears throat> I knew I'd get an amen somewhere on that one. But we are from North Carolina. My wife grew up on a farm, and uh, they tried to get her to drive the tractor on the farm. And she said, when I marry a farmer, I will learn to drive a tractor. So she goes down the road eight mile to a little bitty town and gets me. And uh, we don't have no tractors in that town. But uh, so she didn't have to learn to drive a tractor. But I do want you to pray. And I want to thank you for praying for us. This has been a trying year. Uh, I've had, so far I've had 13 surgeries. And uh, I was in the hospital a few weeks ago getting my gallbladder out. And uh, good friend of ours is in Jamaica with us. We kind of adopted him. He was standing there while they was getting ready to take me into surgery and said that to the doctor, says, the doctor made some crazy comment. I came back with one and Brother David Finley says, well, the only things left is his brain and we're not sure about that. So uh, I've got some good friends, but I've been kind of wrestling with what to talk to you about for this morning, speak to you on. And uh, one thing that's been on my mind lately is the matter of prayer. Uh, we will never pray enough, I don't think. But there's, as I travel over the country uh, here out west, and uh, January this year, the guy quit that was doing the Southwest. Now I've got the Southwest back, so I'm covering 20 states again. I'm trying to get rid of Louisiana. Nothing wrong with Louisiana. I just don't want to go that far down and back up. But uh, so uh, we leave here uh, this afternoon. Going to be a brother Rutman tonight. Wednesday night we'll be in Elkport with the Pope from uh, Watertown. I call brother uh, Whittemore the Pope from uh, Watertown. And then we'll be heading west. We'll be heading over to Buffalo, Wyoming. Be there for a few weeks. Orientation school. Going to have a good time in the Lord there. We've got ten families coming. Be about over a hundred there every day. And we're just looking forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do. When we get through there, we'll go to Billings, Montana, from Billings, Montana to Red Lodge, Montana, over to Orfina, Idaho, and then down to Merced, California, back to Arizona, uh, and then to New Mexico, and then to Georgia, and then we'll go back to Georgia and come back to Missouri for a mission conference, and then go into uh, Ohio, got four churches up there that support us and then New Jersey and come back to Georgia and hope I don't have to have another surgery. But turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, if you would, for just a few minutes. 
this morning and uh, want to speak to you on about the secret place of prayer. When I got saved in 1972, I didn't know anything really about the church up until I got saved. I didn't want nothing to do with the church. And when I got saved, I wasn't very educated anyway and uh, knew very little about the Bible. Some of the things I thought the Bible was talking about, I was so far off, it was pathetic. Uh, for instance, I had a, a problem uh, when I heard it preached that the Lord was coming back after his bride. Now I know the bride is the church, but back then... I thought this, now you can laugh, it's funny, I, I, it, it needs to be laughed at, I guess, but uh, I thought what the Lord was going to do, and I got bent out of shape. He was going to come back, and he's going to take every, every man's wife and line her up in a circle, and he was going to walk through that circle and pick him out a bride. And uh, Now that's far-fetched from the scripture, isn't it? But that's where I was at when I first got saved. And, uh, but uh, I know different now in some of those things. But in Matthew chapter 6, I want to read verse 5 through verse 8. And said, When thy prayest, we know this is the Lord speaking here, and when thy prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the, of the street, that they may seen, be seen of man. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thy, when thy prayest, enter into the closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When I first got saved, I read this verse. I was a painter. I painted for a while and for a living. And when I saw this verse, I thought it was literally talking about going into a closet. And uh, I, I kind of wonder what people was going to do if they lived in a house that didn't have a closet. But when I was painting at lunchtime every day uh, in these houses, I would carry me a bologna sandwich or a can of bean and weenies or something like that for lunch. And I'd go in a closet in that house and I'd eat my lunch and then I'd spend the rest of my lunchtime in that room praying. But I found out since then it don't have to be a literally closet, but we do need to have a place that we can get along with God and pray. I, I don't want to encourage you to pray, though, going down the road. It's not very wise. When I first got saved, I was very excited to be saved. I was a pretty wicked guy. And when I got saved, uh, uh, me and a friend of mine was moving another friend, and I had a light blue 55 Chevrolet pickup truck. And we were going down this country road. Ben Nix was there, and... Uh, Norris Bertram was in there, and we were talking about the Lord, and old Ben said, let's pray. Well, don't close your eyes driving down the road in any kind of car and start praying, because some of them said, open your eyes, dummy. And when I looked up, there sat a big oak tree, was fixing to kiss my 55 Chevrolet in the very front of it. So I learned to pray with my eyes open instead of closing them going down the road. But I thought about this closet, and then we'll, let's read the rest of these verses. In verse 7, it says, When ye pray, use not vain reputation as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be hurt of their much speaking. Verse 8, uh, Be not ye therefore likened to them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask. I love that part of that verse. 
I'm glad. I'm going to relate to that just a minute before I get into the lesson about this building. Uh, all the time I had the land up there on the road to put up a building. Been faithful in the storefront building as you've been in for years. And God watched and knew the faithfulness. And he knew that you needed a building. And he knew where it was at right. before you did. Amen. Or before your pastor did. And it's sad when churches close and uh, the buildings, some of them are tore down. And some of them are just uh, left standing uh, to be vandalized. But it's sad when it happens. But I want to get back on the subject of prayer. One of these verses before us, uh, as uh, we say about the Christian devotion life of communion with his Lord himself. I want to give you some things first uh, here about this. And I think about the characteristics of the, uh, of the private prayer which uh, are revealed to us in these verses. The first thing I think about prayer, to get prayers answered, and I've had people to get bent out of shape over the verse that I'm going to read in just a few moments. Where John 9, 31 says, we know uh, God heareth not sinners. But I've had people that would argue that God was answering their prayers before they got saved. Well, there might have been someone else praying for that particular need or that particular person. And God uh, hears it and he answers that prayer. But I, I still believe that the first prayer that he hears from a sinner is a prayer of repentance unto salvation. But you hear, hear that word print, uh, print, uh, uh, repentance, you hear very little about that anymore. People just want to turn over a new leaf, and, and if that leaf doesn't read the way they want to, they'll go to the next one and try to make it say what they want it to say. But we see some things here. First of all, you, there has to be a personal relationship with God before we get our prayers through before we get our prayers answered there has to be that personal relationship I know the first prayer I prayed one night in May the 10th 1972 at St. Paul United Methodist Church was a prayer of repentance I did not have to tell God ever sin that I had committed he already knew that but all I had to do is be willing to confess those sins and ask him to forgive me of my sins. We had a guy in Jamaica that uh, got saved, and I believe the old boy really got saved. Uh, he was in a sad, pitiful situation. I saw his wife and his son laying on the side of the road dead from being in an accident, but I didn't know he was who he was. But one Sunday, he showed up at church. And he came in, and I'll never forget him. He came in, and uh, he had on a white shirt. He had on white pants. He had on white shoes. He had on white socks and a red Playboy necktie. I mean, uh, he stood out. And I said, where did this dude come from? Well, I, I talked to him. I found out it was his wife and son that was killed in a car accident. Uh, just happened when I came by there one day, a uh, young teenage boy got in a big dump truck and got it started, couldn't get it stopped, and backed out in front of them, and they ran under it in a van and killed all three of them. And so that Sunday he came to church, the next Sunday he came, and then the next Sunday he came forward, 
and wanted to get saved. And I had one of our deacons to take him in a Sunday school classroom, and he talked to him. He read him scripture. He gave him the plan of salvation. And this dude started repenting, and he was hollering at the top of his voice. He was telling God how many women he had been with, how many kids he had with different women, how much he had stolen from Alcoa. And he was just hollering all the sins that could come to his mind. And the whole church, oh, oh. And they were laughing and crying. I mean, it was pitiful to hear it. And he didn't know that he could pray silently. And God would heard the same prayer and would forgive him of those sins. But we see you have to have a relationship with God to see him really answer our prayers. We notice that Jesus does not say to the Father, I pray to the Father, but he says, pray to thy Father. That's in heaven's what he's simply saying. This makes it clear that before we can enjoy the privilege or know anything of power of prayer, we must find uh, first know God as our Heavenly Father. I like to relate because I pastored for 26 and a half years in Jamaica. And we didn't have a nice building like this. I built them some nice buildings. And we didn't have a lot of rooms. So our men would meet outside in the front yard or beside the building. We didn't have a front yard at one of the churches right on the road. But we'd get out there about 25 or 30 of us and pray every night before service. And when we started that... These other men would walk by the, the, the church and they would say, the white man's got the Jamaican man on his knees. And they would laugh at these men. I watched my men in the church and the young boys and all and teens that was there. And it was, look, you can see it kind of embarrassed them at first. But they weren't going to follow the pastor's leadership, so we kept praying. And it got to this place after a few weeks of making fun of the, the men on their knees on the grass praying, these same men would walk by and say, shh, they're praying. And they become to respect these men that was on their knees praying every time we had a service. So we see here there has to be that relationship and we must first know God as the Heavenly Father. John 3, 5 says, and Jesus said, Answer, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, we, and we got to be saved, and God hears our prayers. And God has answered prayers for me and my wife over this past year. It's been a trying time. You know when I'm my happiest? It's when I'm on the road. Heading to see somebody like the Haley's or somebody like uh, the, the, the uh, Rutman's that I'm going to be with tonight. Or go all the way to California to see the, the Dawson family that's been there for years and years and doing a great work. When we first started this thing, me and my wife, about eight, nine years ago, I had a, we have a guy and Brother Haley knows him good. Brother Danny Vaughn. Now, Danny Vaughn is in a place that most men would never stop this pass through. Danny's not really wanted there, and I think they've made it pretty clear. But Danny Vaughn's in Orfina, Idaho, not a very big town. One man owns the town pretty much. 
Danny's still in a community center wanting a piece of land. And Danny told me the first time that Sister Hutchins and I went, not to worry about us. We're too far out of the way. You don't have to trouble coming through here. So now I get calls from Danny Vaughn. When are you coming? He, and we want to, to see you. Listen, that means something to us. But that means I still need to pray for Danny Vaughn. Is Danny Vaughn prays for us. We know last three years ago at our orientation school, his oldest son got saved on Wednesday night. But that verse again, I'll read it to you. Verse John 9, 31. Now we know God here is not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. There is times that you might say, well, God's not hearing my prayers. Well, Usually there's a break in that fellowship. There's something in our lives or we're doing something that's not pleasing to him. He's still there, but we just don't realize he is there. We think he's not. Have you ever got on your knees in a, uh, at your house or Sunday school room and you started to pray and you felt like it was bouncing off the ceiling? That it wasn't getting through? Then the next time you get on your knees and you go to praying, the, the, the heavens open up and God receives your prayer and it just makes you feel joyful. I, I was um, talking to some of you folks a while ago and I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in this building, Brother Haley's first Sunday in this building. Did he get excited? No. He sits there, didn't even smile, didn't even grin. He's just sitting there, well, this is this something else. No. If I know him just a little bit, he had him a, a spit, a North Carolina fit. Y'all know how fits out here, so I don't know if you know what I'm even talking about. But listen, I can just imagine that. But how many years has this family prayed that God would give them a building? He's done it over and over. Oh, brother... Frank is Sheraton. He's in a Church of God a prophecy building. I think it's the Church of God up in Rollin, North Dakota. And I tried to get him to put Baptists over, and he'd have the first uh, Pentecostal Baptist church in Rollin. There's no other church there, I don't guess. But when Frankie, now Frankie's one, he's kind of crazy too, because he's, no, he's not kind of, he really is. But, uh, uh, but uh, old Frankie, I believe he'd come apart when he got out of that little bitty building that was sitting on railroad ties to, uh, at, and didn't even own the property. And God gave them a building. Yeah. But let's, let me get on. Second thought is there must be reverence. Must be reverence. This is another verse that kind of confused me as a young Christian. But I understand it more now. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people, which are called by my name. That's talking about saved people. Those that have been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Names shall humble themselves. And look there. And pray. We've got to humble ourselves. Uh, today, uh, I go to a lot of churches. I do find very few prayer rooms. I travel with Dr. Harold B. Seitler. Some of you might know, I've heard of him. He's been dead for about 10 or 12 years in Greenville, South Carolina. And we would go into churches, many of them. And he would ask the pastor where the prayer room was at. And the pastor would say, we don't have one. 
Dr. Seitler would say, Brother Wesley, you find you a Sunday school class and I'll find me one and, and we'll pray before the service tonight. There's times I had the privilege at Tabernacle to go upstairs to the prayer room that's never closed and get on my knees and Dr. Seitler come in and kneel down beside of me and we'd call on the Lord together. A few months, it's been probably over a year now, uh, Second Baptist in uh, Second Street Baptist Church in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, supports my U.S. West team uh, that goes into buying food for the orientation school. Never been there. So I needed to go meet this pastor. And when I walked in, there wasn't nothing but ladies in the auditorium. I said, hmm, I thought about saying, which one's the pastor? But I didn't go that far, and you not to. But I asked the lady if the pastor was there. She said, go down that hall. They could put probably two of their buildings in here, maybe three in the whole thing. And says, they're down there praying at the end of the hall. I go down and open the door, and there's about 30 men on their knees, and they have done got tuned in with God. And they was praying, crying out for God to visit them that day. Well, we got up, and I introduced myself to the pastor, and went to the auditorium, had a great Sunday school class. The choir started to sing, and they, as old North Carolina slain as they sung, and they sung, and they sung, and they just kept singing. And a lady that had God had touched her that had cancer, God had heard her prayer, heard the church's prayer, and God had healed her of cancer. And she didn't sit there quietly. She was rejoicing. She was praising the Lord. And then someone else started uh, testifying what God had done in their lives, had been sick. And they sang some more. And they'd testify. And they'd sing some more. And it was kind of getting foggy in there. And I'm not home from a cloud either. I mean, God was real that Sunday. And it all started down the hall where 30 men was on their knees praying that God would pay them a visit. Well, Brother Danny, when he got through, pre uh, uh, the singing was over and the testifying was over and the shouting was over. By the way, let me just throw this in. It won't cost you one penny. If you think heaven is going to be quiet, right. you don't want to go there. <laughs> I know a few missionary pastors that's going to tear the streets up. <laughs> and you know probably one of them. And I'm going to step further. I know some ladies that's probably going to be involved in it too. Can you imagine people that have never spoken or never seen anything from being blind and they're going to get that new body? Do you think they're going to just sit around like a knot on a log and just, uh, just let, uh, not ignore it? No, 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 no. One night a person got saved in Jamaica and I had me a shouting, running spell. I'm too old now, but I can still try it. Brother Hayden had to pick me up probably. But I had me a shouting spell. And this guy came to me and says, you're trying to turn our church into Pentecostal. Now our men had just been outside and praying. And we was out there for several minutes praying. The ladies was praying inside. And God came in that night, not because of me, because we asked him to. And this guy come to me and says, you're trying to turn our church into a Pentecostal church. I said, all God can say to you, buddy, 
don't get in my way when God's on me because I'll be like a freight train. I'll run you right on over and keep going. And I left him standing there. But there has to be that reverence. Look at the rest of this verse. By my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now this is the part that blew my mind. I'm a person, when I first got saved, I thought all Christians were perfect. Not the Baptist church I went to, no. <laughs> I thought Harold B. Seitler was perfect first time I met him. When I joined his church, it wasn't 30 days that I heard all the chattering in the hall, complaining, finding fault with each other. So I said, well, yep, this is not a perfect place, but I'm going to one. But when I saw this and turned from their wicked ways, I couldn't have a, I couldn't understand that at first. I thought when they got saved, when I got saved, I got rid of my old movies. I got rid of my liquor. I got rid of my beer. I got rid of all the filthy things I had in my life. And I got involved in church. I started running a bus route. For 37 years, I run bus routes in Jamaica and in our churches that we were in in the States. But listen, it said, turn from their wicked ways. Then, if we're going to ever have revival in America, this is one of the verses we're going to have to t- take to heart. This says, then will I, hear, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. America needs healing. If you're waiting on Donald Trump, or whoever's going to be the next president to bless America, you need to get another cup of coffee because it ain't going to happen. There's not going to be any peace on earth until the Lord comes back. And then I'm not going to be here. But I tell you what I'll do. If you want that big dooley out there when the Lord comes back, I'll leave the title in it and you can have it. But I'm going to leave out. Amen. I'm not driving it to heaven either. My third thought was this. There must be reality. We need to realize there's some things that we are teaching and preaching are real. And the Bible that we use is real. But there must be a no man. One man said it like this. The prayer of the heart is the heart of the prayer. We see another third thing I want to share with you. There must be a retirement. Now, my back doctor, I saw him a few weeks ago. He put four shots in my back, and then I went back to him uh, to let him know how I was doing. And, and he said, didn't you retire? I said, tried it one day, and I didn't like it. He said, go do what you want to do, because you're going to do it anyway. And he's pretty much right. I don't know who told him I was that hard-headed, but I did. But there has to be a retirement. And the Lord draws a contrast in these verses that I read you between the way in which the Pharisees prayed and the way the Christian should pray. He put a contrast there, how it should, should be done. And I, I, being a missionary all the years we were, I tried to teach our churches there has to be a time of a prayer at home. Another thing that you hear very little of in the, anymore in the East or anywhere I go, is fasting and praying. We used to have a week of fasting and praying. Had one old guy, he asked me one day, he said, well, if we're going to fast all week, uh, when am I going to eat? I said, eat up to midnight and then shut up and go to praying and don't eat nothing until we get through fasting and praying. 
And uh, we won't go on, get on him, man, alive. He, he, he kills my spirit every time I think about him. But we see here the Christians should pray. We need to pray for each other. I try to pray. Some days I get tied up and busy. I try to pray for a brother Haley and his family every day. I might not pray for an hour, but I pray for just a few minutes. Sometimes it's in the middle of the night. People didn't understand this or don't understand this. There's times in the middle of the night that God wakes up probably your pastor or he can't go to sleep at night because he's wrestling over you. He cares for you. He loves you. And I believe you know that. But a few, a little over a year ago, my youngest son got married close to two years ago now. It's been when he was at the, the uh, reception on Saturday night in North Carolina, he stood up and I'm not bragging on myself. No, 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 no. But uh, he said, my daddy don't know this, but said, I used to get up at night in Jamaica to go to the bathroom and my daddy would be sitting in the chair in the living room praying for someone. I'm not a great prayer warrior. I don't want you to pick that up. But I've seen God answer prayers over and over and over and over and over. My shoulder doctor is a Catholic. He's from Vietnam. One of the best back surgeons at the hospital there in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And Pastor Campbell, that's been here. I don't know if he come to church. I know he stopped to visit you. He's always there. It don't matter what time you're having surgery. If it's in the middle of the night, he'll be there. And he, all, my doctor always asked his pastor Campbell to pray for ever who is our church he's doing surgery on. And one day we got a letter from this doctor. After I think it was my second, third back surgery. He wrote me and Sister Hutchins and said, I want to thank you for letting me be your doctor. Please don't quit praying for me. A few months ago when he put, I don't know if it's two shots or four in my back, I've had so many. When he got through, he laid his hand on my shoulder and says, Reverend, don't you quit praying for me now. And every time I go to his office, he asks us to pray. Amen. Keep him in our prayers. So the, I said there had to be a room, there had to be a retirement, and I threw that in that the doctor wanted me to retire. This brings us to the mind of a man, I think about Jabez. Jabez is one of my favorite men to study. There's not a lot said about him, but the Bible does teach us that he is a man of prayer. He prayed effectively. He prayed intelligently. And also he prayed earnestly. He asked God to bless him. And I've never met a Christian yet that didn't want God's blessings on him. But my final thought is this. There's always a reward for praying. It excites me when I see God answer a prayer. I mean, my head don't swell up and I say, well, praise God. God did this. God hears and answers our prayers on his schedule, right. not on ours. Right. We see in the case of the Pharisees here, they receive the reward straight away, but it's different in the Christian's case of a Christian. 
I thought about this. A Christian gets his rewards or some of his rewards here. And now as he prays and receives the answer to his prayers. But we'll also get rewards in eternity. And those are the rewards that we can lay down at the feet of our Savior and thank him for saving us. I am so unworthy to be a child of God. If some of you folks knew my life past, you probably wouldn't want to hear me. I go back to my hometown and they don't even believe who I am. I remember one day I was back in East Bend, North Carolina, a little town that's about the size of a Super Walmart with a parking lot. <laughs> and they do have a stoplight now, by the way, but I don't know how many wrecks they had before they put that up. But I was going to the store for my mama. She was still living back then. It's been a lot of years ago. But there was just a barber shop, and they had a loafer's bench. Anybody know what a loafer's bench is? All the little towns back east used to have a bench, church pew, like out in front of their business, and the men that was retired or too sorry to work would sit there and gossip all day long. And they call that the loafer's bench. But I, the loafer's bench was out in front of the barber shop, and I was walking up the street, and somebody, I heard them talking, and one of them said to them, Who's that? Because there's no strangers come through that town that they don't, or they won't know who they are. It used to be anyway. And I heard this barber say, oh, that's Gray Hutchins' son. Well, whatever happened to him, where's he been? And another one replied, well, I heard he, he was down in the island somewhere preaching. And the other one said, that boy? There ain't no way. <laughs> and I went on to the store, went back to my mama's and never said a word to him. But you know what? When God comes into our hearts and our lives, he's going to change us. If he comes, if he's really there, he's going to change us. But I wanted to share some things about the secret prayer. We can pray going down the road. Don't close your eyes. We can pray in restaurants. Close your eyes. I have been in restaurants, and me and my wife would be praying so people come over and thank us for praying. Don't mean they did. I've had them to stop eating while we are praying. But listen, you'll never have a need that you can't carry to him. And he'll answer it in his due season. Sister Hutchins and I for the last, I guess close to nine years, have lived in a 40-foot camper. Got four slides on it, got a washing dryer, got a refrigerator, got a stove where she can cook. Uh, uh, she got two dishwashers, me and her. And, uh, but see, the reason I have to wash dishes, I enjoy being with her. Amen. We've been soon be married 55 years. I'm going to ask you a question. Be honest. Has not she been blessed? <laughs> I say that all the time. I love that woman. I love that woman. And I'm not ashamed to tell the world that I love her. But we've been living in that camper, and I got to thinking, I'm turning 74 in a couple, three months. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, because I will never get any more peanut butter cookies if I tell her age. <laughs> but listen, we got to thinking. Somebody gave her and her family a little money, not a whole lot. They couldn't buy a new truck with it, a new house with it, but 
We got to thinking, we need to get us a place when I do have to come off the road. And the Lord led us to a little house out in the country. It's not a fancy house to some, but it is to us. And the Lord helped us get that house. And we had prayed, Lord, if you don't want us to have it, close the door. But every time we prayed that, he had opened another door. One finance company says, unless you can guarantee us how much support you can have for three years, we won't touch it. Then our realtor is a Christian lady, goes to Victory Baptist Church in Loganville, Georgia. She said, I got one more option. And she called a Christian guy that runs a finance company. In two weeks, we had our loan to buy the house. We got the house. It needed painting. A man gave us six, gallon, six five-gallon buckets of paint, different colors. He gave us some wood floor for the kitchen. We had to buy a little bit of that. We went to a state sale and we bought $700 worth of furniture. I know it's three dressers, three nightstands, a queen-size bed, two de uh, three desks, a sofa, uh, end tables, I can't remember all, for $700. And another man called us and says, we've sold our house and we've got all this stuff in storage. If you want it, come and get it. And we loaded my 18-foot box trailer to the top. All we had to buy was a washer and a dryer, a refrigerator and a cook stove and a dishwasher so the two dishwashers from the camper could take a break. <laughs> God put all that together. And then there's a painter in our church. So the lady has her own construction kind of painting company. She came out and painted it free of charge. And God just kept. So I know kind of how you feel when you got this building. You just cut was running over. And I still pinch myself every once in a while. And I say, is that really ours? Is that really our home? In case something happens to me, she'd have a place to live. But it all came through prayer. People were praying for months that we would not get back on the road, but that we would get a house to where we could come off the road if we need to. And our church, Old Swanee Baptist Church, those people came together and helped us put that house together. But you know, I don't give Old Swanee all the credit. It all was God. Hearing the members and our pastor was at my house a couple of weeks ago and helping me do something. And he looked at me and he said, Wesley, I'm sure glad God gave you this. He said, I've been concerned about you. Well, everybody knows one is concerned, afraid I'm coming back to early or something. But uh, <laughs> Hey, it, Brother Haley, when I get ready to get, walk in the door, they said, when are you leaving? <laughs> I feel really loved at a place like that, but I know they love me. But it's all because of prayer, that secret place of prayer. Find you a secret place and pray. God opened the windows of heaven and he'll pour out blessings that you cannot put them in place as fast as he gives them to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.